Photo Mission Exposure, a podcast for photographers. Welcome to this edition of Photo Mission Exposure. On this episode, the photographer we're talking to is a relatively newcomer to photography. He's only been shooting for a short number of years but since 2013 has been winning awards for his photography both in Australia and internationally. The photographer today shares an insight into his photography and his thoughts on storytelling through images. Come join us for an honest and open discussion with photographer Chris Anderson. Today I'm chatting with Chris. Chris, how are you, buddy? I'm mostly good. How are you? (laughs) Yeah, good, mate. Good. It's been a little bit of of time getting you here because you've had a few... few, uh, Issues with your back, but you're moving around okay now? Oh, man, life gets in the way, doesn't it? Yeah, I had a little back incident. I wish I could say I was fighting ninjas or something, but um, I did something just getting dressed one day, and I was in hospital for a week. But now I can walk and do normal stuff. I can't mow the lawn anymore, though. Sorry, son. That's your job <laughs> for the rest of your life. That sounds that sounds like a pretty good um, deal there. I should get the doctor to write a note, yeah, actually. Yeah, ex- exactly. Chris, um, I normally take my guests back to when they first got interested in photography or they first picked up the camera. Can you actually remember that point in time when you first kind of got interested in photography? Yeah, I can actually. I've got the photo that got me interested up on the wall at home. Um, I I guess I've always wanted to make images and I used to do um, rendering of like uh, Poivre 3D modeling type stuff when I was yep. at, at university and uh, just to, to make posters for you know, friends, theater groups or whatever. Um, and I was never, I never kind of got the photography thing that never made sense to me, but then we had kids and like any good parent, I've got the camera out and taking pictures of the kids all the time. And there's one, we were at the beach and I was, my son was there and I was framing up a photo of him just with our, you know, point and shoot. And at the last second, he kind of shifted his weight to the left and his head went over to the like way off to the one side of the frame. It's like, oh, okay. And I went back and had a look later on. It's like, this is great. You know, why is this better than everything else I've been taking? Oh, there's rules. Oh, there's there's guidelines and composition. And all of a sudden it made sense that there were things you could choose to do yep. to make an effective photo. And I'm an, uh, I'm an engineer by trade. So um, kind of an analytical mind, I guess. Yes, and yep. that really interested me. And then I started paying more attention to what I was doing. And that's kind of, that's where it came from. Yep, yep. And um, so, really, so really, you were kind of a bit of a late starter, really. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I think was the um, so that was the hook that you could see that you could craft something in camera. Now you kind of got a bit of an understanding on how you had this control over what people saw. Yeah, just that there was an idea that there were choices that you could make that would be more effective. I yep. think might be one way of a really boring way of putting it, but you know that that was within your control as a photographer. So, yeah. yeah. And I mean that's what you do as a photographer. What you show people is is what kind of ticking away in your head there. You mm-hmm. kind of you try and work out how you're going to capture that and put it into an image and and show that. Yep. Um one of the areas of your photography which I kind of find quite interesting is is and you've won a couple of awards in this area is illustrate photography. So tell us how you kind of got interested in that genre. Yeah. So I, a, a lot of stuff keeps coming back to theater. Like I mentioned that before, I'm a, I'm a musician and I've been involved with theater for a really long time. And part of theater is advertising. So um, the, the stuff that I did while I was at uni was usually about creating posters or whatever. Uh, when it came to, when I started figuring out photography and I'm working in theater groups, naturally you've got a whole bunch of people around that are willing subjects. Yep. And I started to take photographs of them and then again, make kind of 
uh, advertising. I'll, I'll use it loosely because it's you know wasn't really sure what I was doing, but um, using tools to put posters together to promote shows, and those the kind of things that you have to do when you're putting those together, you're creating an illustrative image. You're using components and putting them together and trying to tell a well, story. Well, the, the, the great movie posters, I mean, they're collectibles. Mm-hmm. And that's what they are. They're a composite of all these magical images, all, all the characters and the yeah. settings and the story. And they, they're kind of a teaser for what you're going to see if you come and see that. So that's kind of where I started with that. Um, as I was, I guess, like any photographer, you're kind of figuring out what you're interested in and what you like to shoot. So there was a period where I shot anything and everything, whether it was for if someone wanted to pay me for it, cool. If it was just a personal project, that's all right. Uh, and I started doing, um, you know, meet up with friends and let's 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 shoot someone in a dark alley at night when it's raining and we'll put her in a black dress and it's, oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Um, and I, I kind of started making these images and, and realizing some of them were more successful than others at, at gaining people's interest and it was about the storytelling and again the choices that you put in so that's kind of where the the illustrative stuff has started for me where i get a real buzz out of making an image and watching someone uh, watching them connect with it yep. and, or they see themselves in it or for whatever it's meaningful to them and i, I love that i love when you can connect with someone and, and kind of grab them by the heart and make them feel something. So that's really motivating for these projects. And, and it's such a creative process because you've got so much control that you don't have in the real photography world. Oh, the real photography world. Ooh, <laughs> ah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to make someone float above a bed, yep. yeah, it's possible, but it's... It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. In camera. Well, I challenge you to... No, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, you do have... I guess you've got control over all those elements. It's like, it doesn't matter what photography you're doing. You, you are in control of what you show people. I mean, you're in con- the fact that you're showing someone an image, that was a choice you made, yes, right? Yeah. So you're always in control of the stuff that you want to show people. I think with kind of that composite style of work, uh, yeah, you have more control. Um, yes. But you also are probably held to a higher standard too once, you're, you, once a viewer is aware that you have that control, it had better be spot on. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I was saying, and, and each person is going to actually look at that image and, and actually see different elements are going to reach out and talk to them as well. Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, I've looked at a lot of your composite images, and there is this. There's a lot happening there, um, so which is which is great because you can kind of okay, what's going on here? Yeah, what's, what's, where is he taking me? <laughs> yeah, that's. Um, I spend a lot of time. I spend a lot of time now thinking about what makes for an effective story and how you connect with people because, like, that's you know, we've used that word a couple of times already, right? You connect with someone. Yes, yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes they're more successful than others. So you know, you, you do kind of start to hit on not a formula, but things you have to you look hit a cord, for. You hit a chord. With someone, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that kind of resonates with people. Yep. Yeah, and I think that's it's always hard if we all knew exactly how to to hit that chord every time. We'd do it every time in every photo. Yeah. Look, there are um, there are things you can do. I've I've spent some time thinking about this. I did a talk at WPPI a couple months ago, which was awesome. Yep. Um, and part of that was kind of taking apart what I think makes an effective storytelling image. So, um, which we can talk about if you like. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So I've, I've mentioned I'm a like engineer by trade, so I tend to be pretty analytic and, and think through algorithms. I've got my five things that I've been checking. Um, I've looked back at images of mine that have been more, uh, more successful at connecting with people and tried to pull out what what they have in common. Yeah. And they're kind of five things that seems to hit. Um, they're they're aesthetically they have to be nice as well yes, they have yep. to be you know presentable and not have flaws and composition has to be good in lighting and all that stuff so let's take all that as a given um if you're thinking about story you want it to be pretty simple because you want to you want someone to not have to work too hard to understand what you're trying to say um you want it to be emotional and have a hook yep so 
I mean, we all respond really well to emotional cues and that's how you can suck someone in. You want things to be relatable because you want to be able to connect with and see something about your life that resonates with it. You also want it to be novel and have something that's not about your life. And those two are in tension with one another. So you got to find a balance Uh, and you need it to be authentic. Like uh, when I tell a, a story that's about something that's important in my life, I'm in control of it from the moment the idea occurs to me until I deliver the file. So I'm the choices I'm making, I know that they're in line with the thing I'm trying to say. If I'm telling a story that I'm not familiar with, then I'm probably going to compromise it. Yep. And what you're talking is interesting there because you actually hear songwriters actually using that same formula to write a hit song. Hmm. It's got those same elements are in there. Yep. And it doesn't mean you have to have all that, right? You can have a, an image that's really complicated or it's completely novel. Or if I make an image about someone in a spaceship, clearly it's not authentic because I haven't done that. But, yep. you know, those are – I tend to think of this as like, you know, those racing games when, um, okay, you've got to get three laps and you have to a checkpoint halfway through the first lap. And if you don't get to it by a certain time, then game over. But if you get to it, you keep on going. Yep. Um, when you have a viewer who's looking at one of your images, maybe they're on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, or they're flicking through a magazine and it's an ad, you kind of have to hook them and give them little payoffs so they feel like, okay, I'm going to spend some more time with this image. I'm going to spend some more time. For me, that's like, okay, I hit that first checkpoint. I got It was relatable enough for me yes. that I'm going to keep looking at this. Oh, it's emotional. I'm going to keep looking at it. So yeah. it's a bit like a video game. It is. It, is. it actually it works for a whole lot range of things. We had a, I had a, a guy who does a lot of podcasts on here he was the last guest, and he was talking about podcasts have to have a hook too. Like when he listens to a podcast, you've got to grab him in the first few minutes. Mm-hmm. He said, otherwise, he just won't listen. And a lot of people are like that. I think it's like a lot of things, and it's no different of an image. Like you said, if you can't get people to somehow connect with that image quickly, they're going to move on. Yep. And the challenge today, I think it's getting harder because we're actually bombarded every day with imagery. Mm-hmm. It's coming from you know left, right, center. Top, bottom, all over the place. And we're short attention span now, right? I mean, I sit there on my phone just flicking with my thumb and you see, or Instagram, you see millions of images go by. So yep. it's 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 hard to kind of grab that person yep. and hook them. So yeah, so, for sure. And it's kind of, a, it's good and a bad thing because I don't know if you've ever had this um, situation where quite often I've had an idea for an image that's sitting in my head. So sitting there, haven't quite worked out how I'm going to make it happen yet, but I've got the idea and then I'll be flicking through Instagram then I'll see an image with some of the same elements and I'll go, damn, it. damn I wished I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's um, that feeling of, I wish I had made that. Yes. You know, and now someone's made it. Some, oh, well. Someone's made it. But the thing is now you feel like even though what you were going to do might have been a bit grander, but it will always now in your mind look like it. you've taken that as a cornerstone and built on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, all photography is additive though, right? There aren't that many brand spanking new ideas yep. everything that you do is going to be a product of the stuff that you've seen to some extent so yep. you know and sometimes it's subliminal because you, you've you've seen the image some mm. way but it hasn't but yeah yep yeah i'm sure there's times where i've constructed an image in my head and later on it's like oh that's where that comes from <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure exactly exactly but i think at the moment it's an exciting time to be involved in photography because of the technology um and the and the ability to be able to use that technology and like coming from your background, mm-hmm. um, you really understand the power of technology and where it's going. But um, you touched a little bit before about the storytelling part mm-hmm. of the image. So, yeah, if you'd like to expand on that, that'd be great. Yeah, okay. So I guess I, I like to tell uh, stories in my images that are, are usually about me or people that I know. And, and if it's about me, it might be, you know, why I think I'm a bad parent or, you know, this uh, a circumstance in my life that made me feel a certain way. And trying to, uh, I really love the challenge of trying to take that 
that kind of nugget of feeling and pack it into an image. And then you're not with the person when they view the image. You don't get to control. You don't get to say, oh, this was about this. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you, you don't get to – it has to um, – you you nail it to the wall and walk away, right? And they've got to interpret it for themselves. So, yeah. so um, I, I love the challenge of trying to put enough in an image that you can hook people with it. Uh, so, again, that's kind of the payoff for me is make is when you have someone – uh, particularly approach you afterwards and they say, I saw this and this is what it meant to me. Yes. Um, what's, it's really funny too. Um, I Part of my process if I'm working on an illustrated image is to test it with people. So um, you can test the technical aspects by putting it in front of other photographers. Yes. Especially if you have friends that are honest and yeah, will, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. really blunt. But you can test the storytelling aspects with anybody. So um, I'll, I'll put an image in front of a non-photographer friend and say, tell me about it yeah and not lead them in any other way just let them talk just about let, it just let them interpret themselves yep and you learn so much about people because they put themselves in it there's a, a photograph of mine it's probably the first serious illustrative piece i ever did and it's about it's a self-portrait actually of me and my wife and um, she has anxiety and depression and it's there's a whole bunch of places that it comes from, and it sort of started around when we had kids. But yep. it's part of who she is now. And, yes. Yep. Um, in this image, on the left-hand side, she's awake at night, and the room is covered in pieces of paper that represent all the thoughts that are in her head. And she's awake, and she's on her phone, and she's looking a little distressed. And on the right-hand side is me, and I'm like fast asleep and totally oblivious, and the, my walls are clean. Um, so for me, there was a really specific narrative. But you put that in front of other people. And they, they would see something else. And one of my friends said, oh, this is this husband is, he works all the time and he feels so guilty about how hard he works because he can't help with anything. So he just goes home and he's exhausted and he sleeps and he feels awful. And it's like, okay, dude, I, I learned a lot about your life just now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks, it, look, that is interesting how people, what they take away from images and what they read into it. And like I said, it, it is a, being able to tell that story is a skill that you have to kind of, to kind of learn and hone and 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 you know work on to get to to that point. Mm. Yeah. So that um, some of your other images have actually been very successful in awards as well. So, you want to tell us about some of the stuff that you've done in in that era? Yeah, I think the wind's blown my way a couple of times. So um, I've been quite lucky. I had a, a portfolio a few years ago at the um, AIPP at the Appers, yes, uh, which won Illustrated Photographer of the Year for Australia, which is really cool. Yep. And they were primarily images, uh, again, about um, me and how I feel. Like, I'm a musician, and I, I sit down at the piano and I'll play. I play by ear, so kind of I'll play whatever I want. Yep. And I'm I'm also getting older, you know, aka the backstory. But <laughs> uh, I know someday I'm going to sit down and I'm going to try and play, and it's not going to work, and I'm not going to know why. And it's I didn't realize the last time I sat down to play that would have been it. So you know, that's kind of realizing as you get older, the stuff that you love to do is going to get harder. Yes. Uh, so there's there's an image about that. Um, which uh, the subject in the image is an actor friend of mine. It's great working in theater because you have access to all these people that are excellent at emoting and, and using their their hands and, and heads and, and moving around to kind of capture the image right. Yep. Um, there's a, an image in that portfolio that's it's all about my guilt that I can come home at the end of a long day and sit on my phone scrolling. Meanwhile, the kids are growing up and I'm missing out, uh, which I think that kind of thing resonates with people when they see it. Yep, and I think that's very, very topical at the moment that mm. people, 
Um, the digital world has really changed the way people behave, people's behaviour. Mm. Um, it's interesting if you go to a restaurant, and we've talked about this with other guests on the podcast, you know, and you just observe people. I mean, I do a lot of street photography, so I, I'll just sit and observe, watch what's going on around me. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've just, over the years, I've been doing street photography for the last probably 30, 40 years. I've been doing it for a long time. So you see the changes. You right? see the changes. Yeah. And and I love the fact too that I've been documenting those changes. Like you've actually got images there basically showing that, the progression. Yep. And it's kind of a challenge. I think it's so, like I said, so topical at the moment that people do need sometimes to do that digital detox and put down the, put the phone down and reconnect. Which is really hard to do. Yeah. Like- but well, I mean, look, it's proven now. I mean, it releases dopamine in the brain. Mm-hmm. You get that hit. And you just want more and more of it, mm-hmm. so you you just <laughs> yeah yeah exactly. Um, so I I tend to do a lot of images about that and the impact of technology on your life, and I think that resonates with people really well. So it's it, I wouldn't say it's a safe topic. Um, it's not a one you're always going to connect with, but yep. it seems to be one that's successful if you're trying to reach someone. It's interesting because people will look at those images sometimes, and that's actually their life, but mm-hmm. they don't actually see that part of it. You know I mean? a, from a third person. Yeah, 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 it's kind of funny because I've seen people talk, you know, look at something and make a comment on it and you can actually see, well, that's actually you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you can make – I guess that's a that's a good impact from something like this. If someone is going to keep that visual in their head and kind of poke them and, and they, they think about it and maybe it changes the way they, they behave. Yeah. Like I was looking at um, – Ben Von Wong did a series recently about like plastics in the oceans and stuff. Yes, yeah. Uh, and there's a whole lot. I mean, if it'd be, it'd be difficult to not have seen it go by um, a couple months ago. But um, there's a lot of background stuff that was out there. But the images themselves were amazing. And so he was using those, which stand alone as amazing pieces of art. Yep. And then once you start to interrogate them and find out what they're about, it's already kind of got that connection with you. So, I mean, he's using this for a social good. Yes. And that, that's yep. a really powerful tool too. And, and at the moment, it's interesting that photographers actually at the moment do have this really powerful tool, being able to use their imagery to actually show people about themselves mm-hmm. and what's happening socially. And we've had some photographers on here who we've talked about. They, you know, involved ocean photography and stuff like that. And they've seen the pollution and they've seen that. And they've seen areas that were once pristine now are, you know, the corals all bleached and that type of stuff. And through their photographs, they've been able to basically document that. But I think more so is that they've been able then to show other people. So mm. we, we sit here and we're not thinking about what's happening in the ocean too much. Yep. Um, until someone shows you an image and, they, and you start looking at these images and you go, wow, that's really bad. That image has to get to you though. Like yep. there's so much content that's available now. You know, you, if you, you have someone that already has a big following, I suppose, is one way to say it on Instagram or Facebook, then they know that their image is going to be seen by a bunch of people and have the chance of, of doing something. Um, I would I would wager you and I have fewer followers on social media than he does. Yes. So yeah. if we're putting an image <laughs> out, I do. Anyway, um, if you put an image out there, fewer people are going to see it. You're competing with a lot of stuff if you yeah. want to try and get that message out. So yeah. that's harder, I guess. It is harder too. And that's one of the challenges for photographers today is not to get, get by too much into the whole social media thing because – um, it's easy to kind of start trying to compare your work against stuff that's getting lots of likes. Hmm. And I had a, I had a uh, photographer on here a few months ago and he talked about two, two types of images. He said there's 
Facebook Gold and there's Apple Gold. <laughs> and they're completely different. <laughs> yeah, they're, completely. They're, they're different audiences, though, and yeah. they're looking for different things. Um, Instagram are currently trialing something. I think it's in Canada, yeah, actually, I, I, where they're getting rid of... Taking off the likes. Taking and, off the likes, yeah. yeah which, so as a content provider, you see what they are, but no one else can see the count of likes. So it's supposed to, you know, to get you back to the just enjoyment of the images and make it less about, you know, having com- to prove a competi- yourself. A competition, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think that's the problem is... A lot of photographers I've had on talk about, you know, they've they've they put something out and it doesn't get much traction in social media. Mm. So then they start questioning their ability as photographers, um, and I think that's that's a bad thing. Yeah, but that's that's with any, anyone who views your image. Like there, there's images that I've put out on social media and they've done poorly, and they've gone on to score well in front of judges. Yep. There's images that have scored poorly in front of judges, but they really strike a chord with a lot of people. Yep. And none of those matter. I mean, it, it, to me, it's, it's – I know it sounds really lame, but it's how you feel about it. You know, you're making work for you. And- yeah, exactly. And the, look, at the end of the day, if you're happy with that image hmm. and you're happy to put that image out in the public because um, you're so comfortable with the strength of that image, yep. how other people see it is irrelevant. And it's a, it's a bonus if you can connect yeah, with them. Yeah, if people, if people yeah. like it and other people hmm. come along for the ride, fantastic. Hmm. But it's not a it's not a thing that has to happen, and I think, like I said, it's 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 one of those challenges photographers do need to, especially I think maybe people newer to photography mm. coming into photography kind of start to think that it is a competition. That's your measure of success, is yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So I I, um, I guess doing awards year in year out, uh, it's really easy to look at other people's work and. Uh, at WPPI this year, like, I just feel like a baby. You're looking at the work that goes yep. by, and it's some of the best photographers in the world and some of the best work. And you kind of look at print after print of exquisitely printed amazing work, and then you go, oh, look at my work. Um, <laughs> but you can't do that. You can only look at what you did last year. Like I, I always figure if I can do better work than I was doing last year, then that's a win. Yep. You know, and, and me a year from now is competing with the work that I'm doing now. That's kind of the only person you should measure yourself against. And, and that's very good advice because that's that's 100% on the money that really you need to look back at your previous work and look mm. how you've grown as a photographer. Um, and, and that's what you should be basically, yeah, measuring yourself by, not by other people's work. Because the thing is, look, you don't know how much they could be shooting 20 hours a day. Yep. Um, you know, we don't all have the luxury, unfortunately, to shoot as much as we probably would like. Mm. I mean, you do outside your photography, you have a work and family life and yeah, a million other things. Yeah. So only so many hours in the day, right? That's so. it. So you gotta you you gotta try and squeeze it all in. And mm. photography is one of those areas too that it is like a lot of other pursuits that like music. The more you practice, mm-hmm. the more competent you get, the the better you get at it, the more natural it feels. Yep. And um but you've got to be able to put those hours in. Mm. And if you if you can't, then it makes it obviously more difficult. And, and we don't know, as I said, we don't know. Someone who's lucky enough, if they can just basically get up in the morning and live, breathe photography for 12 hours a day, then that's fantastic. But Yeah. <laughs> There's an image I did a couple of years ago of um, a Viking ship, and it's in this storm. Um, it's probably one of the more well-known images yeah. of mine. And I, I, looked, I was looking at that image the other night, actually, yeah. I, Brilliant image. It's, it took a little bit of work. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of composite work in it. Um, there's a the basic image came from uh, in the in Roskilde in Denmark. There's a Viking museum, so it's a reconstruction of a Viking ship. Yep. And, and I was there with my wife, and we saw this. It's like, oh, I don't know what I want to use this for. Well, but, but I, 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 I want to get this. I'm going to get this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think by the end of the day, I had an image in my head, but yep. everything else was like shot in my backyard and and, yes. and all that. But um, there was there's so much time poured into that image. And someone challenged me once and said, so, you know, what's your hourly rate? 
how much did this image cost you to make where you could have been charging yourself out for other things? Like, yeah, please don't ask that question. But <laughs> it taught me because it was hard. And I learned, I learned by making mistakes. I learned a lot. Um, and you put that time in and it makes you more competent. Like there's, there's things that I've learned from that that I've applied to other photography where I am charging money. So it's improved my ability to deliver for clients in yes. a more timely way. So it's not, you know, that, that's an investment in yourself. It's not for nothing. Yeah. Personal projects are incredibly important for photographers. Um, all the very successful photographers out there, if you get them aside, get them into the quiet, start have a chat, and mm-hmm. they'll start telling you about their personal projects. And it's interesting because that's how they, that's how exactly what you were saying. That's mm-hmm. how they hone this skill. They learn new things and they might spend hours just trying to get one particular technique down yep. pat. And then once they do get down pat, then somewhere else in their normal workflow that will, will come into play as well. Yep. But it's just that, that discipline of just getting out there doing something for yourself. Yep, for sure. I, I just know one photographer, he um, shoots with the best of Canon gear. Um, but he then goes out and shoots a lot with his iPhone. Mm-hmm. And that's about, he says, I'll just see shapes, textures. I'll just see things. I'll just snap a picture on them just so that I've got that that memory of it. Yep. Um, and we talked a little bit earlier before the, the podcast about, um, you know, using your phone to capture things, elements that you might use in another image. Yeah. And I, I do that quite often. I'm, I do a, there's a couple of things that I do kind of regularly. I've been, for a couple of years, I've been doing a kind of Halloween themed type shots Mm -hmm. and um i'll be just walking through woolworths or somewhere and they'll have some halloween so i'll just snap a picture of something and that will actually end up in a it's in your library in your stock library it's in in an image somewhere and i think that's important and i I don't know your feelings on this and there was recently something something happened in australia with with a photographer but um when i produce a composite image i want every element to be mine yeah is that something that you strive to do as well? For, for personal work, yes. Um, there have been times where I've done client work and you know I'm on a timeline. I have to get them the thing that they want yep. and that brief doesn't allow me to go to Antarctica. And, yes. You know, yep. do, so there's there's times where I'm going to grab pieces of stock. Yep. But they don't, doesn't feel like my work, right? You know, um, well, I think it's different when it's when it's paid work. Yeah, um, the client, like you said, the client's expecting you to, be able to deliver something. You've got, and, and the other thing, you've got a budget to deliver to. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you can't, like I said, if they want a picture of like Noah's Ark, you can't go out in the backyard and build Noah's Ark. It's just not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Practical. I think I kind of when I'm doing a personal project, I love doing it on the cheap. Like, and this sounds sounds really odd, but if you go back to that the the Viking ship picture, there's a bunch of um, kind of huge bundles of, of presumably textiles or fabric or something. And they're wrapped up with rope and it looks, it's all, it looks like this thing that's, you know, in transit and it's just a kid's toy box with a blanket wrapped around it. And I use curling ribbon to look like rope. And then I replace that with rope later. I love doing cheap stuff like that. But that's the magic of photography that you can take something and you can create something and people will look at it in a completely different light. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, and look, that's that's something that I've done in my photography as well. I'll look at how I can recreate something to give make something look like something else. Yep. And you yep. put a bit of thought into how if I do this and spray a bit of paint on here and do this and yeah, yeah. That's the thing where you have to be so careful. Like I, I, I was one of those nerds at high school that was on the school paper, right? And for me, I never think about a human being involved with making a newspaper until you see a spelling mistake and you go, Oh, someone typed that out. Like yep. I, I, if you show someone an image, we're really good at picking mistakes. Like, so if there's a lighting problem or a perspective problem, you know, especially for composite work, you've got to be so careful because if something doesn't quite feel right, 
whoever's viewing it is going to go, oh, we just made that up. Well, like you, said, you, you mentioned before that you, you, you do a test where you put some of your images in front of just non-photographers so they can just get mm-hmm. the emotion. And then I'm assuming that when you put them in front of photographers, you, you're looking to say, hey, Chris, that shadow, it's coming from the wrong place, mate. Yeah, what are you yeah, doing? exactly. What are you and uh, like, I guess I've cultivated a network of friends that are incredibly honest. Yep. Because um, I'd go back to like the judging thing as well, right? When you put something in front of judges, they're going to be really honest. Yep. I would like to address all the stuff they're going to raise before they see it, please. And, uh, you know, you get better at spotting that stuff yourself. Yep. But there's nothing like having an extra set of eyes. Just be really critical about stuff. I think there's a, there's a thing called... Um, store blindness and store blindness happens you, know, you can go into it and it can be anywhere it can be at home you can walk in home and there's there's a crack in the wall that you never see yeah but someone else comes in hey chris you got a crack in your wall oh do i okay yeah didn't never, never notice that but i think that happens and i've noticed in my own composite work sometimes I'll, I'll spend hours and hours on this image and i'll and i'll put it up and then i'll put it on social media and then when i'm looking at it, i'm going oh my god there's a flaw <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> do you find if you put it away for a week and you pick it out again that it's fresh to you Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I'll, an image actually will might sit for a long time. I'll, I'll produce it, and then it won't actually. I won't do anything with it because I'm not completely happy with it. Mm-hmm. The other thing which I find really unusual, I shoot a lot of images and I shoot a lot of street photography, and sometimes I'll, I'll know on the day there's a couple of images that I'm going to take and probably do something with, but there's a lot of images that just sit there. Mm-hmm. I tend to find I'll, I might come back. It might be twelve months. It could be two years later. I'll just go through and I'll pull an image up and go, wow. Didn't even see great. that before. This is great. Yeah. How did I miss that? Because you were focused on the goal at the time for the yeah, images you wanted yeah. to get, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and like I said, so you see it with fresh set of eyes. Mm. And um, and it may too be that something else has happened in your life that now that image has more relevance mm-hmm. where previously it, it was insignificant. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of, that's the thing I love about photography. I mean, I mean, it kind of, when it, when photography does kind of hook, hook you, it, it grabs you. Mm. And you just, it's hard to let go of. I find um, kind of that, I guess I like collaborating with people and whether it's feedback or if I'm doing work with clients, usually, like you say, when you go out for a um, street photography shoot, you've got some things in mind. When, when I work with a client, particularly for theater advertising, we know what we're trying to make and we'll hit that brief and we'll get that done first. And then we experiment and yep. you can, you can kind of pre-collaborate all you like, but when you're there in the moment and you've got new ideas and actors and theater folks, they are by nature really creative. Yes. Yep. Uh, and it's wonderful. And, and spontaneous. And spontaneous as well. Yeah. So I do a lot of improv theater work, yeah. um, which, you know, that is really, really spontaneous and it's, um, and then the moment's gone. Uh, but the stuff that we've put together by collaborating um, on site is often the stuff that gets used. Yes. It's often the concepts that you then go forward and develop. So it's interesting how many times you can you can hit the brief and then it's the other stuff that is is more more relevant or better. Yeah, and it's interesting because I had a photographer on here um, and she's got this workflow where she'll she'll get out and punch out the, the shots that she needs to shoot for the client. And she likes to try and if she can have a little bit of time at the end of the shoot and then she'll shoot some other stuff around what she's shooting but shoot it a little bit differently a bit more creatively mm-hmm. and even though the client hasn't requested but she quite often will drop that in with them say oh look you know i've i had 20 minutes to kill so i just i knocked off these shots as well what do you think and she said you know lots of times they're the shots they want to purchase uh-huh yeah <laughs> that's good yeah well, it that- is because i think that's the thing is as a client a client doesn't always know what they want so you as a photographer you've got to actually help them hmm. understand what they're trying to achieve and how you can help them achieve that. Yep. 
Yeah. So it's interesting that you got that idea and head of, of, of taking those extra shots kind of outside of the, the brief as such yep. just to get that different thing. And, that, and that's the creative part of photography. Well, it's commercially good too. You're giving people options, right? Yep. And I, I guess it doesn't matter what genre of photography I'm shooting if there's a client. I want it to be difficult to some extent for yep. them to choose what they want. I want all the work to be good enough that they kind of want it all because yes, it ends yep. up being better for me too. So. Exactly. And it's kind of interesting um, in different areas of photography, I shoot some stock photography for Getty. And um, it's kind of a – that's a different – whole different market. And the type of shots that you want to shoot for that is not the type of shots that I normally shoot, mm. but the shots that sell are different and it's understanding that market as well. Um, and that's what I said. It's just photography is just a um, interesting thing that you – I don't think you ever stop learning about. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, there's there's so much work. You know, like I said before, you see work that you admire, and there's no shortage of that. There's yep. always stuff to learn, so that's always challenging. I love that about it. I think the the other thing, um, from a photography point of view, we're in it. We're in a a really blessed era that we've got so many people have access to phones. Hmm. Now, I think what happens is photographers obviously find a camera at some point and they start shooting and they start to learn they can actually um, produce images. And I think the the good and the bad thing for photography is now that people walking around with camera phones is we're we're discovering new and new photographers. People who previously may would never would have messed around picking up a camera, putting a lens on it, trying to work out what's the setting. But they'll pick up an iPhone and they'll just shoot this picture and you'll just look at it and go, that's a really yeah. image. <laughs> the barrier for entry is lower. It's yes. easier to pick that up and start running with it. Yeah, and I think what happens is those people, once they do understand that they have got that some talent there, they pretty soon outstrip the capabilities of their phone and they're, mm. they're moving on to different platforms. I guess that that's not – to me, that's not so new. Like I never shot film, um, you know, except to muck around as a kid, yeah. I guess. But um, when digital photography was the thing – I mean, my, my first digital camera was a one-megapixel Sony camera that had a three-and-a-half-inch floppy drive. Like if you could imagine, you you press the shutter and then you hear tick 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 while it saves it. I, I have one in the camera. You got one of those? I've yeah. Got, so yeah. Got one. <laughs> there it is. Excellent. Um, but like I, I wouldn't. You know, it took a long time to take one picture. Yes. I I don't think I would have had the discipline to learn this. Yep. Um, knowing my personality, if I had grown up on film, I think that would have been too hard. So it, for me, the barrier to learning this was reduced yes, when digital yep. came along. Now, I'm not saying film is a bad thing. I really admire my friends that grew up on film because they take far fewer images than I do. Yep. And the ones they take, they have a much higher success rate. Where yep. I've, you And know, that's the, dis the discipline of shooting film. When you mm -hmm. put a roll 36 in the back of the camera, you knew you got 36 exposures. Um, or you could cheat sometimes and you could squeeze the 37 one on there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's you can you can tell when someone's grown up with that discipline, and I guess I, I've challenged myself to shoot less, like particularly for theater, where yep. uh, no one wants to be culling three thousand photos from a performance. That's that's awful. So keeping you know your, your set of shots that you've taken down small, so it minimizes your work afterwards, is a good thing. Yeah, but yep. yeah, so I would never that that phones are in everyone's pocket now. I guess digital was my version of that, where that taught me. Um, but I have to say, um, you challenged me before this to bring something. Uh, bring something with me that was meaningful yep. and I really racked my brain about it and my phone is actually the thing I brought because yeah, it's, yeah, it's, cool. it's what you have with you that you yeah. can shoot with. Yeah, exactly. So like, and my phone is full of pictures of our pets and family and random stuff. Um, the challenge is, you know, you've got 10 bazillion images and are you ever going to look at them again and where do they live? And 
in 10 years am I going to say, well, I'm taking a week to call all my photos? You know, you're never going to do that. Well, that's going to be the challenge. The challenge moving forward is, is um, you know, there was an era when people kept photo albums. So images were printed, put in an album. The album got sat in a drawer in the third drawer of the, you know, sideboard cupboard mm-hmm. or something. And um, now our images reside on our phones and desktops and tablets and that type of stuff. The challenge, I think, moving forward is going to be what where those images are in 10, 20 years from now. Yeah, I think it, the, where they come from for me is Facebook. Like, you know, Facebook on this day. And it yes. will often, I, I suspect their algorithms favor things that got more likes, kind of yes. getting back yeah. to what we were talking about before. But um, that's almost like taking the photo album out and, and seeing what happened seven years ago or 10 years ago. But you talk about like the third drawer where your photo album is. We just did a little bit of cleanup at home and my daughter's changed rooms that she's in. And we were pulling out old photo albums. And it's just magical. I mean, you're holding this physical thing in your hands and she's seeing photos of herself when she was two or photos of, you know, us when we were younger and, you know, when I was slimmer and all that stuff. (laughs) And like having that, I, I haven't personally figured out what I need to do to get stuff off my phone. And into something physical properly, yep. and just yep. have the, I think the discipline to sit down and do it because do it, yeah, yeah it's time I, consuming, right? And I think well, it is time consuming. And look, the the thing is, I've shot a lot of transparencies, and I know that you know moving forward in the future, those transparencies they do break down, they do they do um, start to fail. So, been that process of scanning them, which is a really painful process, getting them to a digital file. Hmm. But so I'll do it for a little bit, then I'll just get bored with it and go, you know what? <laughs> I don't yeah. want to see another another slide piece of slide film. I'm gonna move on to something else. <laughs> something else. But it was interesting because I had um my seventeen year old son's just recently got into photography and we were doing it on a podcast with him. We were talking about how younger photographers see um photography and, and my host, she shot she started film, I started with film. And then, you know, he's he's guess what's film like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. and the the interesting thing we talked about was we said to him, well, would there's a process involved. So if you shoot and film, firstly, you've got to go and purchase film. Then you've physically got to load the film to the camera and and some cameras are a bit more tricky that you make sure you get it into the, into the mechanism correctly and it winds on properly. So you do that and you shoot it. You have no idea. You have no feedback about what you've actually captured if the exposures have been correct or whatever. You then, take the film out of the camera and then you took it somewhere to get it processed and then you waited a period. And we said to him, he said, if that, if I had to do that today, he said, I'd never take a photo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I totally understand it. But one of the other interesting things was, and you touched on about touching the photo albums and that, and so he, he's just recently started printing some images, mm-hmm. right, which is for a 17-year-old is kind of a bit of a rarity. So he's actually got a whole bunch of images that he's taken and he's put them up in the kitchen at home on the wall. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, well, how do, how do those images make you feel? He goes, really good. He said, this is just something different about having to be able to hold an image that mm-hmm. you've printed. Yep. And I think that's that's the, that's to me, like, tell me, yeah, he's got, he's probably got some mileage as a photographer. He's kind of get understanding some of this stuff. Mm. Uh, yeah. I think, I think that's one of the things I like about the AIPP print competition is it's a print competition. Yeah. And I, uh, full disclosure, I am not, really great at that side of things yet and i'm learning and um, experimenting but i went through a period of not having any idea about how to print and what's important and um, paper choice and and things like you know profiles and, and stuff like that and i'm learning more about it and it's become part of that whole workflow of what are you actually trying to show someone you know you've, yep. got, a, you've yep. got a goal in mind and that's that 
extends through to the print that you put in front of people. But um, that's that's a whole other. It's just a whole other universe to learn. Well, it is too because with prints too. I mean, obviously the viewing angle will change how the light falls on the print. Yep. Um, that can change the mood of and the, the print. And the environment that you're showing the print in has a yep. huge impact to it as well. That's so, right. Yeah. So there's a lot of elements that are happening. So it's kind of it's kind of one of the hardest things to connect with people in that environment. So the, it has to be pretty strong. Hmm. The story has to be really well and has to be well lit and, and inviting that people want to kind of explore it. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I've got some test prints sitting at home. Uh, for we've got our state awards coming up in about a month. Yes, yeah. So yeah, I've, I've got some prints. Um, I'm using a friend, uh, Tristan Mebison with EV Photo. He's printing my award prints this year. Okay. Um, mostly because life has really gotten in my way lately, <laughs> but he also does an incredible job. So I've got those prints, and I'm about to go and stick them up and hang them up in the house. Yeah. Or hang them upside down in the house and and just live with them for a week. Yes. And I in the illustrative. Category or you? I'm not gonna say. Oh, okay, actually. so you're, you're dabbling. Okay, get your toe in, toe in the in the pond and a few other parts of the pond. There's well, I guess I've I've entered many categories in the past. The stuff that's been the most successful has been illustrative. Yeah, um, but yeah, you know, like I got my first ever. I don't shoot weddings anymore, but I got my first ever silver award in the wedding category for the very last wedding photo I was ever going to submit to the awards. <laughs> like, oh, I just want one wedding <laughs> award, please. Yes, one silver and wedding. Yes. Yeah. But it's kind of nice challenging yourself sometimes too. Like um, for people that aren't familiar with those awards, they kind of they break them down in different categories, like wedding and portrait, documentary, yep. um, illustrative. Obviously, landscape is huge. Travel, yes. Um, you know, he, pet, pets and animals. You know, there's heaps of different categories, right. and they're often mapping to different businesses that people have. Yep. So um, if you're a Chances are, if you're a photographer, you're not just shooting in one genre. You're shooting in a couple, whether it's for yourself or for someone else. Exactly. And look, I noticed a lot of your work is actually headshots. Yeah. And um, one thing I'll say about looking at the, your portfolio of headshots is um, the word joyous comes to mind. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear you say that. <laughs> I look, you see a lot of headshots and headshots are headshots, but I look through your feed on Instagram and there's joy in every one of those pictures. And that's actually a cha- that's actually a that's a that's a skill to be able to get that joy and so people connect. Look, so. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm an absolute idiot when I'm shooting people. You know, yeah. like uh, a lot of people don't like having their photo taken. I mean, exactly. that's why I've got a camera in my hand. I don't want you taking a photo of me. Yep. Um, I'd rather be taking the photo. Um, it's admittedly it's easier with actors because they're good at emoting. But yep. for me, the when I first started out shooting. Um, you know, you go shoot with friends or whatever and say, okay, give me some feedback. And I got a lot of feedback that I wasn't giving enough direction. Yes, And that yeah. was that was like the, the biggest thing I had to work on. And so I've worked really hard on that. And I give tons of direction now, but I've, I've kind of got a shtick when I do headshots. Yeah. Um, a lot of headshots that I do, um, sometimes they're you know, dedicated uh, clients that come in for a session. And sometimes it's a theater company and we're doing an entire cast. So you got to kind of bang, 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 get people yep. through in three or four minutes a piece. Yep. So you got three or four minutes to build rapport with someone that you may have already met, but chances are you didn't. Yep. Uh, so you kind of get really good at getting into someone's head and figuring out who they are and how do they relate to you and are they comfortable or are they not? Uh, and I'll often get them to do really stupid things. Yes, yep. You know, like um, my my favorite example is okay so you know a little more a little more smile yeah cool chin up a little bit okay roller coaster face and people just freak out like, what yeah make a make a roller coaster face and they go ah and it's it's they feel really silly and i feel silly yep. and then they kind of get back to the normal faces that you're doing and they're not hard anymore cuz you've yes. already gone way past that it's like stretching yes um, yes yes so um, i when i deliver those things for theater clients um 
I usually, each cast member, I'll deliver three shots, like a smiling teeth, smiling no teeth, and they have, they have consistency there. And yep. I'll deliver a goofy one just for fun. Yes. And I've just always done that because yep. I have all these outtakes of people. Uh, a couple of years ago, I shot, um, there's a theater company called uh, Prima up on Pine Rivers, and they did uh, Spamalot. The musical and I, I, rock, I, I shot their headshots for them and then I rocked up to shoot the production shoot and the president of Prima came over and said oh you got to look at the headshots in here and opened up to her headshot and it's the goofy one <laughs> it's like no what have you done she's like no no I'll keep looking through and they picked the goofy shot of all of them and I guess spam a lot if you're going to do that yeah, yeah that's exactly. the one it works yeah it works and <laughs> but you know you're right it should be fun like I get that feedback a lot and that's the best feedback when a session's done it's like oh that was fun and people are kind of surprised about that so it really I'm glad you said that you can see that joy coming through. Yeah, you can definitely see it. And like I said, we'll, we'll um, at the end of the podcast, we'll actually put some details of your of your social media stuff so people can just jump in and have a look as well. But yeah, cool. So, but so, and and you and you're totally right too. Obviously, being able to work with people who are kind of active to actually know how to to hold themselves and and how to pose, which is a which which is great as well. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if I'm shooting again, when you're shooting those theatre um, shoots. Sometimes you get crew in there as well, and there's a huge difference in how how they interact. Yeah, and yeah. there's you know like um, a lot of the people that I work with, they've been theater nerds forever, right? And there's definitely two categories: the ones that want to be on stage with the spotlight, yep. and the ones that want to go nowhere near yep. the stage, and they just like to help in the background, please. Yes, yep. And they generally don't love having their photo taken. Yep. So you, your approach changes, and there are times where. Um, I won't be an idiot, and even though there's all this action going on around us while we're shooting, my voice will slow down, and I'll kind of walk closer to them, and we'll talk about stuff, and we'll just kind of create like a little bubble just for us while we're shooting this yep. to try and get the right photos for that yes. person. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, and it's quite interesting too. Sometimes that behind – I don't know if you shoot much of the behind-the-scenes stuff because quite often with the roadies and those different guys, I mean, there's some great characters there. Mm-hmm. Um and, and like I said, sometimes if you can capture some of those moments, um, they can be magical as well. Yeah, I admit I haven't shot a lot of that with theater. Um, usually my, I, I get a call time. I get up, you know, get there, set up headshots, start working on headshots while they're prepping for yep. a, a dress run. Um, so there, I haven't made it a goal to go and shoot that stuff. But I've been thinking about that a lot more because there are stories oh, many, you know, yeah, ab- about what's going on in the production. And uh, that's it's something I'm... I was talking to a friend about last night, actually. So, yeah, it's something I've got to think about yeah. doing more of. Because what people don't see, people see the the kind of the production, but there's a lot of things that, that go on behind the scenes that may fail or whatever and a lot of gaffer tape. and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you kind of watch. The show must go on, right? It yes. doesn't matter what happens. It's going to continue. And you see a little bit of that when you're shooting, like, you know, someone's wig falls off or this prop breaks yep. or – the prop's gone missing. You know, it's supposed to be in a certain spot backstage so you can hand it to the person and it's not there and they kind of have to work around it and that's a bit of fun, yep. especially when you're delivering those photos and that's what they're using for media. So um, you do see some scrambling from time to time, <laughs> but yeah, I'd love to start capturing the behind the scenes stuff more. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's it's, it's a different area and like I said, you can get that, that different feel hmm. um, through the, you know, just through those images, like I said, because so much goes on that people don't. So, you know, it's funny. I've noticed... Um, I do a lot of Instagram stories mm-hmm. and the stories that get most traction are a lot of times when you're shooting something behind the scenes and just showing, letting people into your world, yeah. what, what you're doing. Into your process, right? Yeah, yeah. People, people, people really connect with that for some reason. Well, I think if you're showing that you're a human being doing this work, right, then like I, I, people hire me for me. 
right? They they hired, they want the service that I provide, they want the product that I provide, but they kind of want this goofy dude as well, right? So yep. if you can show that behind the scenes and you're connecting with them as a human, I think that's actually important marketing and it's important for relationship building. Yep. I've never done an Instagram story though. That's a, maybe I should get you to teach me how to, how yeah, to do yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's, look, it's just something I think is, it's, it's, it's something that Instagram added and I think for for some things that actually is a is a is another little way to show people what you're about, mm. and you can actually I find that Instagram stories you don't have to be as serious mm-hmm. yeah. because they don't last forever, right? Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. It's, it's only on there for 24 hours, so you can goof around a little bit. I did a I did um I I do something for Easter as well. I, I typically make a stop motion video for Easter, and I'll have you know an Easter egg falling apart or mm-hmm. something. I'll do on every year. I try and come up with something different. But I, I'd done a couple of videos, which then I thought I'm just going to produce one more still, and I didn't didn't publish this picture, but I put it on on the story. So, so I've said to my son, I said because he's just going to photography, I said I need to take this picture. So I got him on a step ladder, I'm on the floor, and I'm acting this really stupid, like I'm <laughs> climbing out. Of, and he goes, "What are you doing, Dad? No, no, just take this picture for me." <laughs> anyway, so then then I've got an Easter egg where I smash the top of the Easter egg in. So then I've comped myself in. So I'm so you're coming out of it. I'm, yeah. I'm coming. I'm climbing out of the egg. And is he going? Oh, I get it now. Yeah, okay. he, when he saw the finished image, he he understood understood. But, yeah, but, yeah. But I simply put that it it was it was goofy and and fun to do. Didn't take long, but that just went into the story. So it was only up for twenty four hours yeah. and it was gone. So if I'm if I'm shooting a job for someone, I'm usually kind of. On the job, right? So it doesn't. I haven't mentally prioritized doing something like that. So it's just occurred to me. Um, my daughter shoots with me a bit as well. So yep. um, a couple of years ago, we were. I was going to shoot. It was like um, I don't know. It was a kids' theater production at the Brisbane Arts Theater, and I thought it was school holidays. Hey, why don't you come with us? So yep. um, she's in the car, and then we're driving there. And I said, right, well, you're not watching the show. You're going to photograph with me. I'm going to give you the wide lens. Yep. I'm going to set it up for you. I'm going to plant you in a seat, and then I want you to shoot it. She's like, whoa. Um, and she did great. So we're going home later on looking at the images and, and she's gone, look, I know you wanted me to frame it like this, but I did this and I did this. It's like, these are awesome. And you know, her shots, I think she was 12. Yep. Her shots were delivered to the client mixed in with my shots and yep. they were fine. So she, now that's how she pays off the phone that she owns is by assisting, assisting. Me on shoots. So I really need to put her to work with some Instagram story work. Exactly. Because she's got, she has Instagram up and down. She understands it. Yeah, like yeah. And she'd be perfect. Hand, so. she'd, be, she'd shoot that behind the scenes stuff of you actually working. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a, okay. I'm going to do that now. Yeah, exactly. uh, make that happen. So <laughs> exactly. that's good. We'll be looking out for that now. Oh, but I'll make sure I mention <laughs> you when the first story comes out. So yeah, cool. That's cool. So if you, um, yeah, you've done the the theater stuff, but is there anything else that you've actually kind of ventured into just to put your toe in the water? Any other type of photography that you've tried? Um, yeah, so I guess I've I've I get the opportunity to travel. Um, so I, I guess you could loosely call travel photography, which to me is more like street photography, not at home. Is probably yes, how yep. I would yep. um, do that, and that's really freeing because it's not for a client. You can do whatever you like. Um, so I'll do a little bit of that when I can. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the stuff that I kind of want to experiment with is the stuff that's really uncomfortable for me. So I have a, I have a, I never flatten layers. I always keep interim versions of files. You know, yep. I can always go back and change things. Um, one of my friends, Shane McCaffrey, who's um, he, he won AIPP emergency, uh, emergency. That's not right. No, emerging, emerging photographer. Emerging, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple of times in, in Queensland, his process is destructive. He'll go out. It makes me mad. I could spend 80 hours on an image and go, oh, look at this. And he'll, uh, I'll see him and he'll say, I went for a jog last night with my mirrorless. I took this. I went home and I did look at this. And he'll show me this image that's just 
jaw-droppingly amazing. Yep. Um, his process is really destructive. So he just kind of follows his nose and is creative about the way that he does his post-processing. And I, I mean, you see his file name. It's like edit, 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 edit. <laughs> um, and I, I don't think that way. So uh, that's probably the thing I need to do more of is just kind of go off the chain and, and follow strange directions. Yes, yep. Uh, and it's, it's nice having... Uh, I've done a little bit of that where I've taken actor headshots, which sometimes they're in costume. So you've already sort of got a little bit of a basis that's unusual and then experimented with that and had interesting results, but not... I haven't shot them intentionally for that. So that's probably an area where I need to kind yeah, of experiment some more. I think that it, it is kind of to help you grow. Getting out of your comfort zone is definitely a, a thing. And I've been able, fortunately, had some opportunities to shoot some stuff that I would never have shot. I've shot some fashion, runway mm. fashion stuff. And it, it was, it's quite fast-paced and, and you really kind of I, – I didn't, I didn't, I suppose, at the time, I didn't appreciate when I first went into it. That was – it happened so quickly. Hmm. The model comes down that thing, stops, pose, bang, gone, next one. And next one. You're going to be on the money each time if you're going to be trying to get those shots. See, to me, that's like wedding photographers are the best photographers yep. because they have to do every single kind of photography between the start and the end of the day, including those shots where you seriously, you've got a quarter second to nail you that got, image the, and the client the, the, wants the, that. The kiss is going to happen. You better get it right. Yeah. 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 So you got, to, you got to make sure you're in the right position. you got the right lens. Your settings are going to... Capture it. And like I said, the other challenge too is you've got a mixture of so many different lighting mm -hmm. scenarios, which you would also have in the theatre as well. Yeah, you do. Um, I, I guess I've had the luxury of working with theatre companies that they generally, the lighting's really good. You know, that, yeah. that's, a, that's a huge part of making a successful production. Now, you might, if you're lighting a show, you're not lighting it for a photographer, you're lighting it for the audience. Yeah. When you're designing the set, you're not designing it to make a good photograph, you're designing it to fit in. So sometimes you kind of have to be a bit clever as the photographer with where you stand and how you post-process to get it right. But, um, yeah, the, you're also blessed with sometimes uh, a show with multiple different lighting states, and that, that makes it sound more complicated. That's great because you end up with variety, and you yes. end up with a whole bunch of being able to tell a bunch of different stories with the images that you deliver. Yep. Um, I did a There's a show on right now um, at the Art Theater as well called Orphans, which was it's a, it's a really solid show. I think it has one more... Uh, next weekend's or last weekend. Um, but the lighting state was really consistent the whole way through. So all of the all of the photography, all the storytelling ended up about being the people and their faces and their, you know, how they're holding their bodies and how they're relating to one another and not kind of, not glitzy and, and, and about kind of the, the overall aesthetic. So, it, you know, that, that lighting yep. really influences the way you do the photography, of course. Yeah, yeah, different. So what what's, have you had a job that's been super, super challenging to you? Something that you've had to shoot that you thought, gee, I'm really out of my depth here? Uh, that's a good question. Commercially, no. And maybe I'm a, I'm a, I might be a chicken and I'm not taking on stuff I don't know how to do. <laughs> there have been personal projects where I've gone, like, I just don't even know how to do this. Yep. And you just kind of, sometimes you park it for a while. Uh, yep. or, or you just hammer through it and you screw things up. I'm, I'm working on something right now. I, I don't know if you've seen that. There's like on... The, the graph of how confident you are with your image right now, it starts off like, I am great. And then it starts going down, going, uh, this is rubbish. I am rubbish. I'm, I'm taking the swear words out. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is good. You know, like you kind of go through this pattern. I'm at a whole bunch of little personal projects right now where I'm at the bottom of that going, oh, this is not so good. Yeah. Um, probably for, for commercial, I, I guess for, for paid jobs. No, I've never, I've never taken something where I felt like I was out of my depth. Yeah. There are always surprises, but, 
you kind of end up pivoting and using the tools that you've got and being in the moment and communicating with people and improvising. Um, so I don't shoot weddings anymore, but when I did, there are always things that would go wrong. Yes. It could be equipment failure or it could be, hey, they paid for time in this building, which is now closed and we don't get to use that. We have to shoot somewhere else. Yes. So you, you have to go off plan quite a bit. So yep. as long as you can problem solve and you get back to the core of what you're trying to do, which is to show emotion and connection and tell stories and you'll be all right. Yep, yep. So if you if you if you hadn't discovered photography, do you think you would have taken up some other type? I mean, you do it the music, which is a creative outlet as well. But would there been something else that you would have done? You think? Or uh, I don't know. I'm a terrible artist. Like, I give me a ruler, and I still can't draw a straight line. <laughs> I think that's why photography appeals to me because you're capturing reality instead of trying to make it. But um, I tend to, I don't know. I think I kind of hobbies wise, I'll do something for a little while. And if it doesn't click, then I'm not going to do it anymore. And if something's successful, then I end up doing it a lot and yep. get to the point where that's where music was for me. And that's photography started that way. And now it's more serious, but yeah, I don't know. Um, probably have more time for my family or more time to scroll through social media. Yeah. So maybe that's a bad habit. So maybe <laughs> I should be thanking photography for giving me something to do. Something to do with an outlet because a lot of, a lot of photographers too, like making things as well hmm. with their hands and, and doing things. I think you talked about, you know, you kind of craft some of your props and stuff for your photography as well so yeah but they're not exquisite right i, I can't but they, don't, they don't have to because if you know how to light them and you, you know how to position them you can you can hide a lot of sins That's, <laughs> yes <laughs> um i'm my my dad was really good with that with woodworking and using his hands and that kind of thing and i've got none of those skills i think i have no fine motor skills for that so yeah uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be doing that. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm curious about what alternate reality version of me would have gotten into now. I'll think about that. <laughs> so um, wh- where do you hope to be in, say, five years from now? Um, more more photography or? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I think I'm really enjoying the type of photography that I'm doing and having paired it back to the work like I used to shoot a lot of different stuff and yep. kind of made a choice a couple of years ago to because you only have so many hours to yep. only shoot the stuff that you love so I only really do the theater and performance related stuff and I love that and I, I I love the stuff that goes with it and getting to see performance and yep. being involved with those groups so they you know hopefully come back to you I want to continue with that uh, I want to continue trying to tell stories and, and make illustrative work there's I don't have a generational jump there isn't i don't have identified the next thing yep. you know what the next thing is is making sure that my kids manage to finish high school and they're happy and they get out and do whatever is next for them i think that's our the next life milestone that we have yep um our oldest is in grade 12 and our youngest is in grade nine so it's kind of you know it's kind of getting crunch time for them as far as yes, high school yep. goes and i yep. think that's where my energy and attention goes i do kind of wonder what happens when they grow up and move out and the way my wife and I spend our time changes, you yep. know, and our our needs and our goals change. Maybe there's more time to, to change. So, yep. give me back in five years, and we'll and we'll see we'll, we'll see where you where you've managed to <laughs> yep. which direction you've you've gone. So, with your um, you mentioned your daughter there was was been helping with mm-hmm. it. Do you see that she she's gonna something that she you think she'll keep pursuing? Yeah, I don't know. She's kind of at that stage where there's lots of different things she might want to do. Um, and I think at the moment, zoology is what she's interested in. She's yep. a, definitely an animal lover and she's yep. got, uh, she might not want to admit it, but she's got kind of an analytical science brain in there. Um, and she's also very visual. So the, the world's her oyster as far as what she might want to do. Is she going to pursue photography? I don't know. I mean, it's not, she doesn't go out of her way to grab a camera, Yep. but I'm also 
not the kind of person that's going to push a camera in her hands and say, you're going to do this because I love it. Yeah. You know, no, you can't, the photography doesn't kind of work like that. I mm. think I, I teach photography and sometimes I'll have someone who will come in and sometimes it's a parent bringing their child in saying, oh, look, um, little Johnny wants to, I think he'd be really good at photography. And, and you soon realize that little Johnny's not that interested. Mum's more interested than little Johnny, but you can teach people the technical side of it. But the passionate side of people have to they have to have that. Mm. If they don't have that passion for photography, they're not going to pursue it. And I mean, you touched on it before. You keep going back to doing the photography for the theatre stuff because you really have an interest and you'll have a love for that. Mm. And that's what, when people say to me, you know, if they fall in kind of a rut with their photography and they say to me, "Oh, Steve, like uh, I'm just not getting out and shooting," I go, "Well, go go shoot something you love," mm. you know. And then they start reconnecting with that thing they love and then that's the reason to be there. Yep. And then to keep shooting and that kind of build. So you're kind of in that – at the moment, you're kind of in a happy place with with that. Yeah. I, actually, I've been – probably one thing that is changing is I'm doing more talking about what I do and whether it's teaching or speaking or yep. whatever and trying to get the concepts behind what I do in a – in a in a pack so there you can organize your thoughts and deliver them to someone else yep. that's probably the challenge for me at the moment um yep. even though i do music for theater i'm not the on stage spotlight dude um i would really prefer not to have to speak at all or say anything yep. on stage so it's challenging for me to get up in front of people and and do stuff like that so that's probably i mean it's related to photography yes um but it's trying to you know leverage that knowledge of photography to deliver that for people that's probably the big challenge for me for the next couple of years is doing more of that and getting better at that yep and it's kind of the interesting interesting progression that photographers have that quite often you spend a lot of time learning about your craft and getting this knowledge base and a lot of photographers will then get to a point where they then start to share that hmm. and and start kind of spreading that around and i think it's too when you get to a point where you where you're confident in yourself um you're happy to share. Yeah. Well, there has to be a hunger for it too, right? I mean, it's a little presumptuous to say, I'm going to go and teach everyone everything I know. Like, you don't know everything, dude. No, that's <laughs> you, it. you know the stuff you know, but that's about it. But um, there's a point where there is interest in it. And that's, you know, that means you have the opportunity to go and speak to people about it. So yep. hopefully we can get some more of that. Yep. And that's mainly because um, what's been your connection with the IOPP? You've had some, um, obviously, you. Um, do you find them that being very helpful being involved there? It really has, and probably not for the reasons I thought it would. Like um, I kind of assumed before I was involved with the AIPP that it would help with things like you know how do you write contracts and, yes. and teach me some more technical stuff uh, and help me understand pricing. You know, and that that's all true to an extent, but it is a community. Uh, and the APPs, you know, it's had some tough times, yes, um, yep, yep. As particularly recently. But there are people that, I don't know, it's like it's like a anytime you find your tribe, you know, you find people that are passionate about the same stuff that you are, and they celebrate the stuff that you make, and you celebrate the stuff that they make, and they're different. And you could argue that we're all in competition with one another, but that's not how it feels. You know, it yes. feels like a community of like-minded yep. people that kind of share the stuff they know. There are um, there are people that I've met. And formed really deep friendships with that are going to be friends for life in that community. I, it's that's harder to put a cost benefit analysis on when it comes to paying your membership fees all the time. And there are lots of there's lots of concrete reasons to do it, but for me, it's provided a lot of that community and that that networking. And so, from a business point of view, I it's easy for me to call on people to help me with things. It's yeah. easy to call on a second shooter if I need one, or yeah. for me to make myself available for things. Um, it's 
I don't have all the equipment in the world because I'm a small business. Um, there's a friend of mine, and he also doesn't have all the equipment in the world. But from time to time, we'll loan each other equipment, and it's all compatible. So you kind yes, of yep. you know load balance the the equipment. Uh, so it's given me benefits like that. But the the most important thing for me has been that that connection with people and community and uh, and friendships and being able to ask questions of things of these people that are passionate about the same stuff. Yep, and I think because once you get to that level and you can, you can connect with people, you don't you feel it's easier to ask yeah. for help. When you if, if it's a complete stranger and you know this guy, he's an expert in his field, and you kind of say, well, he, why would he want to help me? But you soon find the type of people who are in AOPP are happy to help. Yeah. Well, most people are like that. I mean, yeah. not everyone is, Yeah, look, course, that's, and, but... and, and that's just life in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you live in a street and there's going to be a certain number of neighbours in the street who are going to lend you the lawnmower or the whippersnapper if yours breaks and there's a few people that won't. Yeah. That's, and... that's kind of normal life stuff, but... Yeah, and if you're if you look around, and everyone else is generous. Maybe you're the one who isn't going to lend them out. Maybe that's you. Um, people, I guess I've there's a few. I've got a few heroes where I've looked up to them and I've looked up to their work. Yep. And then you meet them and chat with them. It's like, oh my goodness, I spoke to so and so. And then before too long, you realize they're human beings and yes. they have mortgages and yes. their car breaks down and, and they and, have self doubt and they yeah, have all the things that you have. Exactly. So you kind of. It's amazing how many times we've catapulted past that. Oh my goodness, starstruck thing. Yes. Um, to just be friends. Yes. Um, and at times, I've kind of gone, "Oh, your work," and they've gone, "Oh, your work," and we've been, you know, mutually kind of fanboying or fangirling. Yes. Um, but they're all they're all human beings, and they all have stuff to share, and they're all pretty eager to share what they know. Actually. Yeah. And I think you touched on something saying about finding your tribe, mm. and that's kind of a is a very important thing with photographers that you do find people that you can kind of like-minded that you can connect with um, because they'll actually lift you up. Yep, for sure. They'll actually get you to the next place. Sometimes you need that kind of push or that community yep. as well. Um, I'm I'm a social sort of fellow uh, and every every job that I've had or every opportunity that I've had has been around interacting with people. So yep. I, for me, I got a lot out of it from that point of view. And I, if you're a full-time photographer and you're working by yourself, that is most likely a pretty lonely existence if you don't have that community to fall well, back and, on. and we've talked about this on the show too, that um, one of the areas too, which is really important for photographers because it is a lonely thing, that a lot of them actually do have um, dealing with um, anxiety and other issues as well because, mm. and like I said, my other host on the show, or the other show we do is she's a wedding photographer. So she'll shoot a wedding. Then, you know, the next four or five days, she's just sitting in front of her computer putting those images together, just disconnected from the world. Yeah. So it's kind of like a lone. You you got this kind of wedding with heaps of people and heaps of action, and and then all of a sudden, <laughs> not nothing. <laughs> so if you're an extrovert, you're pretty happy with the wedding, and then you go through four days of hell. And if yeah. you're an introvert, it's like I just want to get to the computer, please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so Chris, um, you are on social media on various yep. different things. Where can people find some of your work if they want to have a bit of a look at? some of the stuff you do so probably the best place to go is on instagram it's at images by anderson yep um, and it's a facebook page as well uh website is images by anderson.com although i admit that i probably don't keep it as up to date as i probably should <laughs> i think instagram has the freshest content I'm, yes like i post there every day it's uh kind of how i keep my portfolio up to date and it's from my target market it is the right place for me to be advertising if that makes any sense yes yep. so if you want to check out my work instagram images by anderson great look chris thank you for coming in and having a chat it's been really interesting to get to know a bit about your photography and just kind of hear some of your thoughts on photography and 
Mate, wish you every success in the future. Well, thank you. This has been fun. And um, look forward to seeing, you know, what you get up to next. And hopefully there's some app of gold there coming your way. Oh, look, cross your fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, mate. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Photo Mission Exposure. If you liked the episode, please leave a comment. Also, you can follow us. Don't forget to tune into another episode soon. Thank you.